When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to the show. It's made possible by the great crew at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Well, today we're joined by the only person in Australian Football League history to win an AFL and AFLW premiership. Craig Starsevich was a key member of Collingwood's first flag of the AFL era in 1990, and he guided the Brisbane Lions women to their maiden flag in 2021. And in between, he was at the centre of what became one of the biggest trades of his era and in retirement, a renowned fitness guru in multiple codes. Craig Starsevich, welcome. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, going back, you know, going back, I'm not even sure that uh, talking about yourself would have been your favourite thing to do, but perhaps you've gotten better at it in the role you now perform so well. Um, like going over old times in front of uh, our playing group, they don't really <laughs> care, to be honest. So, there's, not, there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of interest there. So just um, just on the coaching, though, I think as I yeah. said, you, you you I think you're actually one of only two coaches who have been at the helm since the inaugural AFLW season Archer so you you don't do what you're doing unless you're enjoying it correct oh 100% yeah it's um it's great fun no doubt about that and um you know we're we're in a competition that was a blank canvas when we started and started the team and club from scratch and all that sort of stuff so it's been fun to see it grow it's been fun to see the the level get to where it is now um yeah and it's 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 been very rewarding to see where it sits on the Australian sporting landscape now so uh really really excited about how it's progressed and where where it is now and in the when it comes to the art of coaching stars and the, and the women that you've you've got at your disposal year upon year what is it that you embrace what is it that you embrace the most um probably their desire to learn i think most most of um most of us um that have come from the boys sort of landscape sort of say similar things that, um, you know, you've got a group that's thirsty for knowledge. They're trying to establish themselves as athletes and as names and those sorts of things. So they're, they're sort of happy to call on your experiences and your knowledge and whatever to, to enhance themselves as, as athletes. Uh, so that, that bit's very rewarding. I don't know, just, just generally feeling like you're doing something worthwhile, I guess is, mm. is probably the main driver. Just, um, you know, we've, we've, like I said, we've started this comp from nowhere. Women's sports sort of going nuts everywhere, I guess. So, um, you know, the AFL being the biggest biggest sport in Australia, I guess we, we had to have our presence. So uh, it's, it's nice to see that we have. So how do you assess these sort of formative years at, at Brisbane? So your Lions have played in four grand finals, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. 1-1, ridden the turbulence of expansion and player departures. And I think you've reached the finals more than any other side. So by almost every measure, it's been a success, I would have thought. Yeah, it's been good. Our, our team's played 10 finals along the way and, and four grand finals, as you mentioned. You didn't have to do much in the first two years to make the final. You only had to finish first or second before they rolled out the final the week after. Um, but I feel like the last couple of years, we've been 
you know, been really um, consistent and strong. I think we've played 35 games in the last three seasons and I think we've won 30 of them or 29 or something like that um, and played in finals in all three seasons. So that, that's, that's felt more like a footy season, the last three, where you've had to go through uh, qualifying finals and so forth on the way through to get yourself to a grand final. Yeah, so that bit's been that that bit's been good from from our club's point of view. And as you said, we've we've gone through a couple of little periods there where Geelong and North came in the comp, and then it was St Kilda, West Coast, Gold mm. Coast, and Richmond came in, and then of course most recently you've got uh, Hawthorne, Essendon, Port, and Sydney all come in. So we've had to sort of go through all three little phases there and lost some people on the way through, but we've been able to regenerate and stay competitive. And are they, you know, they are forecasting you to dip again, aren't they? Do you have a, have you got a sense of that? Uh, it's probably logical, yeah, because we've lost um, three All Australians out of our group that have a couple have gone to Hawthorne, one's gone to uh, St Kilda, so um, that's that's a logical as- assumption to make sitting from the outside, but it's not something that we necessarily believe in. Uh, we, we feel like we've got some real growth coming from underneath and, you know, people that have waited probably two or three seasons for their opportunity to establish themselves, so that bit's really exciting as well. And just on coaching stuff, obviously you played the game and we'll get to the, the high performance and the fitness uh, component of your journey later on, but what are your main philosophies and coaching fundamentals? Like, have you got a what are your non-negotiables, if you like, when it comes to the art of coaching? I guess, I guess when they show up, we want effort and concentration every time they're here. So that that bit's important. I think, I guess, in the early stages, we were rounding up as much talent as we could to be competitive. I think over time, the person and culture and all those little things that are really, really important to how a team functions, that's become way more important. I think, uh, aside from you know assessing the best talent and how they fit into you into your framework but I think I think the culture piece is the is the bit that's really become very very important so the quality of person you know are they a good teammate are they a hard worker the training ethic of our group at the moment's um, incredible you know you need to fit into that type of environment if you're going to survive in our in our little setup yeah Um, but generally speaking if you're a good person and you're willing to you know, put your nose to the grindstone and work hard. You'll you'll be well respected in our in our in our setup. So that's the type of person that we're looking for now. And just while we're on AFLW, so season eight uh, locked in now, absolutely to start September one. That was expected. It's also remaining a ten week season, which was expected perhaps, but not so well received. So how do you look at the AFL's? I guess refusal to expand the the season length in coming. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not sure whether it's the league on their own. To be honest, the the demand comes from um, eyes on the television and people showing up at games. So. The league is only responding to what's happening. So I was actually really a, a guy that I really listened to a lot, Jared Waitley, who was on 360 last week, mm. asking the question whether the AFL truly believes in this competition. And I, I thought it was a bit of an unfair thing to roll out for, for from Jared for a, a guy that I really respect his opinion um, because really it's it's in the hands of the broadcasters and in, in the hands of the public as to what the demand is. So the league the league's acting pretty responsibly, I think, just to keep. It, um, keep it solid and and growing rather than um, you know going too quickly. And they have been accused of going too quickly with expansion, so they're they're wary about uh, extra rounds. I think. Yeah, yeah, I understand all that. It, it's hard to speak for everyone on this front, but how was it received among the players? Do the players share the same view as you, the coach? Uh, not necessarily. No, <laughs> but I mean, and to be honest, like I, I wouldn't mind playing everyone once and having a seventeen team comp. That that that'd be fine. But really, um, you know, the sustainability of this competition is the more important piece at the moment. 
I, I, I can see the players' point of view that, you know, if they could see some growth over the next four or five years and they were... Because we did have that. We had the seven games in the first season plus a grand final. We're now up to 10 and four finals. So if you could actually look four or five years ahead and say, well, by the time we get to 2026, we're going to have a 12 or 13 game season and, and uh, four finals. I think if you could see that starting to happen, I think you appease a lot of people that mm. way. Yeah, so obviously the message is get along and watch, and if you can't, then turn on the telly. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I mean, if you're a Brisbane Lions fan, we I, I think we play a, a really exciting, high quality brand of footy. So you know, we've got our brand new facility here at Springfield, and it's you know spectator friendly and um, um, a great place to come and watch footy. So if you're a Lions fan, we'd we'd be you know strongly encouraging people to come to our games, that's for sure. And Craig, just before we break, what about the Lions men with obviously your nephew, uh, Brandon, doing what he does week to week? Do you look at them and think this is their best chance for some time? Like a top two berth, potentially two home finals, that would be vital. They're in the hunt for that given their, their Gabba form line. Do you think it's all in front of them? This is this is a, a massive opportunity? Yeah, obviously a little setback on the weekend with Will, but um, mm. they're... Um, I think they've been growing year on year, actually. They've been ticking off little milestones on the way through, obviously finishing as high as they can week in, uh, year in, year out. Yeah, it, it critical as a, a non-Victorian team to finish top two. That's um, that's vital. So, yeah, they're, they're well-placed. There's parts of their game that are, that are improving year on year as well. So, yeah, wait and see. They're, they're well-placed, no doubt. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's all thanks to Tobin Brothers, a family-owned business since 1934. Well, Craig Stasevich, he arrived at Victoria Park in in the summer of 86-87 as a lean key position prospect at a Waffle Club East Perth. It's back to the beginning after this break. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, great to have your company on This Is Your Journey. It's made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today, we're with Collingwood Premiership player and Brisbane Lions AFLW coach Craig Starsevich. So, so, Craig, where was home as a kid? Uh, in the northern suburbs of Perth, Bayswater, in the East Perth footy club zone and, and Bayswater Morley cricket club zone. So I actually enjoyed playing cricket more than footy back in the day. So that was um, that was all there was, really. There was, there was footy in the winter and cricket in the summer, a little bit of athletics and basketball on the way through but that's that's how we live life in the 80s yeah indeed what sort of cricket are we a bit of both but a bit bit ordinary at both <laughs> but um i did have a chance to make the i got close to the under 16 wa team at one point Jeez. um james brayshaw actually made that team there you go right. um so um we're, we're about the same age playing cricket in perth big hitting all-rounder if i could pitch and hire like to half volley on leg stump put it <laughs> that way just uh, flick it off the toes and <laughs> get runs through mid-wicket or whatever yeah uh, a little bit vulnerable outside off um and a Sort of a, a, a trundling uh, medium pace. Thought I was quick, but probably just a medium pace, a little outswingers. So that was about it. Love it. I love it. Yeah, that's what it was all about, wasn't it? Cricket in the summer, footy in the winter. And Starsevich, yeah. is that of is that Croatian heritage? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. All four of my grandparents uh, migrated uh, to WA between the two wars. 
uh, back in the 20s and 30s. But both my parents are born in in, uh, in Perth. So right. um, we're second generation Croatians. Yep. Did any traditions live on with you in childhood? Any Whether it be any sort of culinary things or... Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Lots of... Well, every Sunday afternoon at my Nana's house out in the Swan Valley was, was a was a gathering of a million cousins and family and all sorts of stuff. So that that stuff's really um, that's the ethnic way, I guess. But that's um, that was that was stuff that was um, when I look back was a really precious part of our childhood, to be honest. I reckon that's awesome. Siblings? Uh, yeah, two. Yeah, two younger brothers. Uh, one was an umpire in um, in the waffle for a lot of years, and uh, Troy, my youngest brother, Brandon's father, was. Um, he was a player at East Perth as well. Yeah. So we've all we've all been around footy. And mum was a high level netballer. Um, dad was heavily involved with netball as uh, with footy as well. So um, yeah, we're constantly around sport. So if cricket was perhaps your first love or your predominant sporting love, when did footy sort of start to overtake cricket? When preseason dipped into summer. <laughs> so <laughs> it was. Um, it was, uh, was I remember I was playing under 19s, I think, at Bayswood Morley, and we were going okay. And um, But the uh, I'd, I'd just come out of Colts in WA and, and I'd joined the senior squad at East Perth and, and pre-season was in full swing in January and February in the Waffle in uh, coming into the 85 season. Um, that was my first year in the Waffle. So um, if you really wanted to make it, I hadn't played a game at that point. I was still 17 turning 18, so... Um, if you really wanted to give footy a crack, um, you had to commit to the preseason. So unfortunately, they overlapped too much, and that was the end of cricket for a while. And this is obviously pre anything West Coast Eagles related. So who did you who did you barrack for growing up? Well, East Perth primarily. Right. That they were my club. North Melbourne and the VFL were my yep. team. Uh, Malcolm Blight and Keith Gregg and all those guys were my heroes, I guess. Wayne Schimmelbush. So um, that that group of players were, I guess, if you lived in Perth, it was either Hawthorne or North that you barracked for in the in the um, not so much Collingwood, Carlton or Essendon, but more Hawthorne and North because they were playing all the grand finals there in the late seventies, so mid to late seventies. So from eighty five, eighty six, I think there's thirty seven games for East Perth. East Perth, forty one goals. You were the club's eighty six best and fairest winner. Recruiting at this time was fascinating, though, wasn't it? I mean, there was more room to catch other teams napping, really, in a VFL, VFL perspective in the recruiting space. So what was your first contact with Collingwood, and how did it come about, Stas? Well, actually, Collingwood were late to the late to the party with that one. I mean, it was, they, you had all the VFL clubs were clamouring because West Coast were about to come in. Um, so it was their last opportunity to grab, I guess, West Australians, so they put the they put the West Coast squad together, but they're also a, a decent number of us that moved to Melbourne. So Michael Christian and myself went to Collingwood, and Darren Buick, and who else went to Essendon? Darren Darren Buick and someone else, I can't mm. remember. Maybe Derek Kickett, maybe, or he, was he there already? Can't remember. Anyway, there was uh, there were a lot of people that moved to Melbourne. But there was also that big squad of uh, West Coast players. So I mainly had Essendon, actually, pretty much all of 86. So Sheeds was over every second weekend, basically, just chasing players and and trying to get people to um, come to the Bombers. And, um, yeah, Collingwood sort of came in late around around the final series. And, yeah, I guess Lee and Gubby sort of convinced us to um, to sign with with Collingwood. They, they, they looked like they were on the rise. Essendon were the established stars of the comp at that point. It looked like it was going to be harder to crack into their group. Collingwood had a bunch of 
young guys, their under-19 team had just won the flag, I reckon. So Gavin Brown, Gav Krasiska, Damien Monkhurst, Mick McGuan, they, they sort of all came through around that time as well. And I was about their age or, or very similar age. So um, it, it seemed like a better fit for whatever reason. Yeah. And mid-80s, an enticing financial package as we look back on it, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. No, is the short answer. <laughs> by, by today's standards, no. Yeah, they haven't uh, aged well, some of these figures, have they? <laughs> but but as, a, as a 19-year-old still at uni, you yeah. know, um, 30 grand to come and play VFL was actually very enticing. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it so, was, yeah no, nothing compared to today's standards. No, they haven't aged well, as I say. So trawling through the archives, it was said that you had a, a stuttering start to your VFL career, but you kicked six in your second game, well, you had six. You kicked six one, twenty six touches against Carlton, no less, and it was in a loss, in a seven point loss. So you you didn't muck around off the bat. Yeah, for, our first game was of that year was against the Swans at Vic Park, and Warwick Kappa kicked nine that day. I remember, and um, poor old Chris O had to play on him for a fair bit of it. I think as a <laughs> key defender. <laughs> Welcome and aboard. We lost. We lost heavily that day. The Swans had a great team at that point. And yeah, round two was out at Waverley. Waverley suited my style really as a sort of a running half forward. So um, there's plenty of space there to to get on the end of a few. Mm. So yeah, it was good. So 13 games of the season, I think 23 goals. The Harry Collier Trophy is the team's best first year player and you're 19 years of age. So some of your teammates at this time, I think BT was stationed forward with you, of course. Uh, David Cloak yep. was running around, Gavin Brown, yep. Tony Shaw, Mick Gafer. Was it was it easy enough to adapt and settle into VFL footy life? Yeah, they were terrific. Great, great club. And a lot of established stars in that group. And particularly the older blokes like Banksy and um, David Cloak and Shorey were, were terrific influences on on uh, the young crew coming through, that's for sure. Like Brownie's 19-year-old, I'm a 19-year-old, Mick's the same. Uh, Monkey's not in the team yet, but he's, he's a couple of years younger than us. Um, there's there's a whole bunch of us that sort of came through around that age in our early or late teens or early 20s. Mm. And then you had the older guys that were just the super influence. So Dennis Banks and Tony Shaws and Cloakies and, and BT and that crew were, were fantastic for us. Now the job in front of Carlton. They're down by 10 points. Helene, the floodgates opening. Banks, 50 metres out. In he goes. Stasevich reached third for the last quarter. So at that stage as well, I mean, Collingwood haven't won a flag since 58. They lost eight grand finals over the years. Finals pretty much every year. And the Collie Wobbles narrative is alive and well. So you played in the 88 semi loss after the side of finished second, the 89 elimination final loss. So so did you have a sense that something was building, something special was brewing ahead of 1990? A little bit. Um, although, as you say, 88, we went out in straight sets. I think we went Collingwood, then Melbourne. Uh, Carl, uh, Carlton, then Melbourne, both at the MCG, mm. and we lost both. And then the year after that, Melbourne put us out in the first week of the finals too. So, and then... And then the first final of the ninety series, we actually drew with West Coast. So you, you could sort of, you could sort of, yeah, we're, we're regular finalists, but mm. we we certainly weren't handling finals very well at that point. Um, and the coach was getting getting grumpier and grumpier and more impatient by by the by the year. So, um, but I think I think I don't know. In hindsight, you'd have to ask him. He probably knew that he had a young group that needed a little bit of. Um, exposure to those types of games before we're really going to kick on and um and then uh, yeah 1990 came along and after a bit of a stuttering start to that 
finals campaign were actually pretty good for the next three finals. So the coach was Lee Matthews, of course. How did you get along as a young player with uh, with Lethal? Oh, he was terrific. Yeah, great, great. He, a lot of time and energy for the young blokes at the club. No one was ever going to tip Gavin Brown out of the golden child status. So Brownie was always number one in, in Lee's eyes, but the rest of us were, um, yeah, we got plenty of love and attention as well. But um, yeah, like, couldn't couldn't have been more fortunate to be honest uh, for for someone like that to shape most of your the way you think about footy and you know not only helping your playing career but also I, I find myself thinking or trying to think the way he would think in certain situations now with what we do so um, he's had a huge influence on on my journey no doubt about that we're with Craig Starsevich on this is your journey it's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives up next Saturday October 6 1990 a seminal day in Collingwood's history stay with us you're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. Today's guest is Pies Premiership player turned high-performance coach turned AFLW coach Craig Starsevich. So, Craig, when I have to take people back, I normally ask what their memory is, and I mean that literally for you, perhaps, when it comes to 1990, because, geez, your day, unfortunately, ended a little bit early, didn't it? Uh, yeah, just after after half-time. Yep. Memories? Memories. Enjoy, enjoyable first half. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, we, we yeah, ter- terrific day, obviously. Mm. Um, uh, what do I I remember about the MCG. That was a windy day. Um, they were getting ready to renovate the Great Southern Stand at that point. So they'd taken the roof off, which made made the G more exposed to the elements than it probably ever had been. So it was, I remember it being very blowy. And um, I remember us getting off to a bit of a slow start. I think Essendon kicked the first couple. And then, um, you know, we sli- slowly sort of uh, got ourselves back into it. it. Was Probably the catalyst was the incident at quarter time. There was a bit of a stink at quarter time. And then I think the second quarter, I, I, the one enduring memory was that um, even though everyone's eyes were rolling around in the back of their heads in terms of how emotional things were at quarter time because of the the little um, uh, incident before before the break. Lee was the one that actually sort of calmed the group down and just said, you know, whoever focuses their attention on the footy for the next five or ten minutes is probably going to uh, probably going to win this game and probably you know get all those little 50-50 free kicks from the from the umpires just trying to quell things down. A- a little bit so pretty pretty good calm composed smart coaching actually to get us back on task and we end up kicking six goals to nothing i think in the second quarter so that probably set up the win well that's going to bring him into within very easy scoring range in the meantime Stasovic to put collingwood further ahead he goals did you throw your weight around in the kafavel? No, God no, <laughs> no not a chance. <laughs> um, by the by, the time I got there, it was and it was up, it was up uh, in our defensive end of the ground. But yeah, there was, and and the fact that Brownie was one of the key ones that went down in that kafavel was possibly the reason. You know that that definitely um, riled Lee. Um, and but Brownie ended up going back out as well after half time. I'm not sure you get away with that now, Sam, to yeah. be honest. No, um, and, and which brings us to this incident. So oh, you started pretty brightly. I mean, you've had 13 touches, seven marks and a goal and just over a half a footy, I think. And then Terry Dano collects you. Jamie Turner. 
Stasovic again. Got one high from Terry Danaher. This is the third one that's been given away, and Stasovic not too good. At least if he could be all right, he's at least conversing. He doesn't look too good. No, no, I don't think I don't he's going to take the no, kick. I don't he's not. He Another player's got the ball. Well, he's just got to come off the ground if he can't Wrong. take his kick. So at the time, they would probably term that making you earn the mark. These days, you'd probably be looking at five weeks, I reckon. Yeah, 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 possibly. Yeah, it was, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking, yeah, concussion rules these days. What, what, what I, I end up not going back on. I think I think um, they were happy not to put me back on, to be honest, to yep. risk any 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 damage um, to the scoreboard. I mean, not yeah. me. Um, but um, yeah, Brownie ended up going back out there and and uh, was a pretty effectual player actually in the second half. So despite yep. what what he went through, he was actually um, pretty handy. And the momentous nature of what you and your teammates were able to achieve. I mean, how joyous was that? Is there something you can recall? Definitely recall um, uh, going going back to the Southern Cross Hotel for the function afterwards and getting in the lift with John Bertrand and Peter Brock, who were two keen Collingwood supporters. I thought, and and they're they're guys that you know that we idolised, I guess, around that time. So it was like, holy moly, this this is quite a big deal, isn't it? And then. They, they bust us out of there late that night because we heard about this huge crowd at Victoria Park that were showing up and were celebrating. And um, so they bust us down there and there's, that was that was phenomenal. That was, um, yeah, that was out of control down there. Must have been 30,000 crammed into the place and everyone well sort of, um, you know, had a few drinks under their belts. So it was, it was an interesting, interesting night. Awesome times. Yeah. The, the, ball, the ball obviously famously ends in the hands of Darren Mullane and, and tragically, you know, some 12 months later, he's gone, uh, killed in that car crash. And I think at around that time, there was a, obviously a reunion due. I think that was obviously cancelled. And I suppose, well, it obviously would have taken a heavy toll on the group, you know, you and, and, um, and his mates. It would have been enormous. Quite a shock. No doubt about that. It was, you know, the age that we're all sort of, you know, 23, 24, 25 years old and, and Pants has had his accident and you know that that was a real a real shock to the group, no doubt about that. And yeah, it's 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 whenever the group gets back together. I mean, we had a, a reunion last year actually at, at Collingwood, and his his name always comes up. Um, there's always someone from his family present at our reunion, so it, it's something that will. We'll never get over, I don't think, as a group. But I don't think the footy world, the footy world, are the people who have missed out, to be honest, because a guy who was you know, top 10 in the competition at that point, probably going to be one of, if not the best players in the comp between his 25th and 30th birthday in there somewhere has, has mm. been taken from the comp too early. And a lot of people just didn't get to see Pants at his absolute best. But he was an absolute force to be reckoned with as a as a player. To, to think of a 95 to 100 kilo winger with athleticism and great overhead skills and toughness and hard run, it was he was quite the player as a winger. This is a question without notice, and I might be testing your memory here. Was it he with with the fake bricks famously at training when um, <laughs> he was running around holding these bricks above his head? Everyone thought this guy's a he man, and then it turned out they were made of foam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 went through a little phase at one point, a bit of mental toughening where you had to walk or run around Vic Park with some bricks in your hands, and you know how long could your grip strength last? Last to hang on to them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Pants has pulled out a, a couple of 
fake ones. I love not, that. Not not unlike him to come <laughs> up with something like that. A pure genius that was. So you can't you can't buy smarts, can you? So you, no. you play another two years at Collingwood, of course, and by the end of '93, the resume looks at 124 games, 162 goals. So you're a regular and you're a consistent performer, but it's about to come to an end. How did you come to be traded to the Brisbane Bears, as they were then known? Well, Nathan Buckley wanted to get from Brisbane to Collingwood. That was well known, and Collingwood would only give up anyone to Brisbane outside of their top. They wouldn't. They they wouldn't give up their top ten players. That was that was the deal apparently. So you could pick 11th, 12th, 13th best player, whoever they were, um, and they could be involved in the trade to Brisbane. So yeah, that's that's how that unfolded. Were you happy to go? Yeah, in the end, yeah. My wife had family in Brisbane. Uh, we, we were we were happy to give it a crack. I think the player for me that gave it a fair bit of credibility. I mean, back in the late '80s, early '90s, to be told you were being traded to the Brisbane Bears was almost like the biggest insult you could get in footy. It was it was almost you know comical the way that line was bandied out. Be careful, you'll get traded to the Bears. You know, <laughs> the minute Alistair Lynch signed for Brisbane, I think um, that changed perception of the club enormously. They'd already moved to the Gabba at that point from mm. Carrara. It was, yeah, and, and Lynchy signing on for 10 years, it, it actually looked like now this is a viable option. Wolsey was coach. Wolsey was dead keen to bring some professionalism to the organisation. And, um, you know, we're able to able to recruit a fair few players in that little period. Mm. Gilbert McAdam, Andrew Buse, Adrian Fletcher had been there, not, not to uh, been recruited beforehand. Um, Troy Lehman came up with myself. Lynchy was there. Uh, the year after, Ross Lyon had a year there for, for a year. So we, we were sort of attracting um, some decent high-level talent to um, help turn the club into, you know, what it became in the late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, and played finals uh, 95, I want to say, but I'm not sure. Did your season end fraction early that year? What yeah, no, yeah. Not 95 was the first year in the finals. We actually played Carlton, who were... Yeah who were belting everyone. and um, Good game. We, we, we were pretty good, actually, the MCG. We, we pushed them to uh, three or four goals, I think. So gave a, gave a pretty handy account of ourselves. Yep. I think you're only five points down at three-quarter time, and there was probably about 60,000 uh, Carlton supporters absolutely on the edge of their seats there at the G. It was a good game. Yeah, we're, we're in a, we're in a, we finished off really strongly that year. I remember um, winning on a seven, or, seven out of nine of the last games and then playing well in the finals. So, was yeah. it a culture shock, though, going from Victoria Park a big club in Collingwood to a relatively fledgling organisation. I know you mentioned something like Lynchy and Wolsey and they were starting to get the, their house in order, but geez, it must have been yeah. a culture shock getting up there. Yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit. We were regularly playing in front of 50,000 plus at the G at that point with, with Collingwood. So coming up to a club that was, you know, smaller crowds and, and, and less probably less scrutiny in the media as well. That was probably the other part of it as well. Wolsey was very keen to make sure that we didn't it's the right word, that we were still accountable to ourselves, even though you weren't being scrutinised as heavily. So he was he was very big on that. Don't don't come back to Queensland after a loss and think you can hide. He was he was very much on the make sure you're hurting, make sure we attend to what we need to improve on and, and go forward. So and I think his tough love during that time was probably felt um, differently by different players, but I think I think Wolsey um, had a fair impact on what the club became, to be honest. He, he, he departed after the 95 season. Mm. But I think he shaped a fair bit of the, the culture around the place in his time. You're listening to This Is Your Journey, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Craig Starsevich's post-career move into the high-performance space is after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey. It's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business, of course, since 1934. And we're joined today by Premiership player and Premiership coach, Craig Starsevic. So, Craig, was that high-performance strength and conditioning and fitness space something you were always passionate about, or did it just sort of develop a bit in the back end of your playing career? A little bit of both, actually. Yeah, it was It was definitely um, – it was, it was my um, tertiary degree – for a start, I had a sports science degree and had a, a teaching um, diploma with that. So I ended up um, <clears throat> doing a little bit of phys ed teaching in in Melbourne while I was still playing. But there was a there was a bit of a long term view after I'd finished playing. What what was I going to do? And probably into conditioning or something to do with sports science after after footy would have been good. I'm not sure what sport, but if it was football, that was sort of the logical step in the first instance. So that's that's the way it sort of panned out. Um, and absolutely loved it. It's it's it was nice to be able to go into a meeting with John Northey and Scott Clayton and be sacked in one minute but then asked to stay on in the next so <laughs> really was, is that there, a, there was yeah. there was there was the um the merger <laughs> with the Fitzroy players coming on mm. so there was space that had to be made up um in the group after 96 so they had to clear the decks a bit and I was one of those and but they sort of asked us to stay on in the coaching with the coaching team so that was that was nice yep. it uh, it feels feels a void in your life that a lot of players struggle with, I've got to say, once you once your footy career finishes. Yeah, that's a nice gentle letdown, isn't it? Hey, we've got to tell you, you're done here, but stay on and, and help us out. And look, you, you remain and you watch on and guide, I guess, some of the biggest names in the in the game actually end up coming through your old club. Yeah, it was it was fantastic time. I mean, the people we drafted around that time, I'm trying to think, it was probably Kinnear Beetson, I think, was our recruiting manager back then. So Luke Power, Simon Black, Bo McDonald, Shane O'Brien for a little while there. Mm. Long list of, of high-quality mm. draftees that came through around that time. Yeah. And you were on the cut. This is what I love about it is that you seem to be anyway on the cutting edge of a few things in the high performance space. So yeah. tell me about the low altitude flying. I remember at the time there was, was this a thing? And, and if so, for how long? Um, yeah, it was. It's definitely a thing. Um, we had a fantastic um, group of physios and medicos who all dealt with other high performing sports. So we had physios involved with athletics and cycling. Uh, doctors involved with those athletes as well. Uh, our physios had organised to buy a, um, a high-altitude breathing machine um, to simulate altitude. So we had the breathing machine. We were, myself and Scott Murphy, who's now the conditioner at Geelong, uh, were, were closely sort of monitoring blood oxygen levels as people were doing this breathing. And then we thought, okay, what does that mean for flying when you, you don't have as much oxygen in the cabin? And, you know, one thing led to another. And a, a mate of mine who flies for Qantas was was happy to come on board and, and make sure he assigned himself to our flights <laughs> to go to, to wherever we were going and fly us a little bit lower. And, you know, I'm not sure what difference it made, but, you know, there was Lynchy who was in the team who was suffering chronic fatigue. So he 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 always struggled after long flights. So anecdotally, he was sort of saying he felt a little bit better and people that had corks and swollen knees were saying they felt a little bit better in the days afterwards. So whether it was placebo, whether it was real, who knows, but we definitely had someone flying a little bit lower than we normally would fly. So how long, so it was said to be 18,000 feet above sea level instead of what, I don't know what, what that is, maybe 10 Something like that. Yeah. So what was, you said you weren't <laughs> sure if it made a difference. What difference was it supposed to make? Oh, just by having a little bit more air, good quality air in the cabin yep. to breathe. 
Yeah, so I don't know. I don't. I don't want to go into too many technical details because I'll muck it up. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically it. Yeah. I don't know if any teams today's day and age fly at eighteen thousand feet. Do they? Is this ongoing in any way? No. Well, I I don't know. We're, we're, it, it, in the end, it became an expensive exercise for the airlines. So it was like uh, right. you know, at, at some point they had to say, okay, that's enough. You've you've had your little experiment. But um, no, it was good good while it lasted. And, and as I say, whether it was a psychological advantage or or whether it was physiological, who knows, but it certainly didn't didn't harm us. And what about the intravenous drips before they were banned? What was the thinking behind those and when yeah. and how often did you implement it? It was a, a regular halftime event, wasn't it? Yeah, similarly, like spawned from something else, you know, like um, the altitude machine got us thinking about flying. Well, um, there was a game in Perth one one year early in the season. We had, might have been Justin Lepich actually, he was playing centre-half back at the time and went down with cramp all over his body. They took him inside at three-quarter time to try and get some, uh, for the physios to work on him and get and get some uh, fluid into him. And then they thought, God, oh, we just can't get rid of this cramp. Let's give him half a litre of fluid. So they did that inside the change rooms. He came back out, went onto the ground, stopped cramping, and he was fine. So, so the, the again, the docs and physios thought, well, this is a this is a bit of a, a sign that if if we actually use this as a preventative measure at half time, you might actually find that um, it prevents cramping in the first place. So from that point on, we grabbed six of the hardest running midfielders and got them inside at half time and put some fluid into them and then sent them back out after half time. And we had very little instance of cramping from that point onwards. But that all got blown out of the water when someone from, I don't know, I think a Port Adelaide supporter, we were in the finals at the same time in 01 and, you know, one of the callback shows... <laughs> similar to what you guys are doing, yeah. I guess, rang up and said, what, what are Brisbane doing Come out with little Band-Aids on their arms after halftime? Watch them every single week. So they blew the cover and the <laughs> AFL said, uh, that's enough of that. What were you thinking, Stas? You know you can't rock with the Band-Aids. It's a giveaway. Yeah, I know. I know. It was... Um Anyway, it was um, good, good, good while it lasted, but we had we had to find another way to deal with it. You know, trying to get fluid into the body when people are hot and running around. So we end up coming up with an ice room at half time and getting people to sit in there in the freezing cold for ten minutes and getting some fluid in. So we we tried all sorts of things to because mind you, this this we had to stop this right in the middle of the O one final series. So yeah. again, you don't want people's minds being you know. Our midfield group thinking, God, what are, what are we going to do without our fluid now? You know, so we had to come up with something else. Yeah, and but, I need, um, yeah, and I, I need to stress, obviously, that it wasn't. There was nothing in the rules to state you couldn't do it at the time. So it was, no, it was just it was it was salt water, yeah. and um, but the perception of it wasn't something that the league liked, which is sort of fair enough. I mean, we, we'd seen there are other sports. I think NFL in America, you you might. Well, in the past, you would have seen some of their players on the sidelines getting an IV. Um, but I think most sports around the world appreciate now that's probably not a great look. Yeah. What else were you up to? Anything else, if I can just ask? I mean, we've touched on the low altitude intro. You want to declare anything else here? <laughs> uh, all I can remember is, is Lee saying to our medical crew, I don't care what you try. Just make sure it's above board and legal. Yeah. So full stop. So <laughs> it was... Um, yeah, def um, we definitely didn't didn't uh, push the boundary too far from that point of view. It was, yeah, a little bit of what we were breathing and putting in some salt water. We certainly we didn't we weren't really big on on dietary supplements. That wasn't really something that we were delving into. But 
definitely the fluid stuff and the breathing was something that we were big on. You were poached, or at least you joined St Kilda in 2006. I think Grant Thomas is the coach. You weren't there for long, but I remember there was a, a, a reasonably big story at the time, or at least a quirk, the thong policy. You, you, did you did you <laughs> ban players from wearing thongs down there at, uh, at Moorabbin? Oh, uh, well... Um, again, it's it's always a it's always a joint decision, Sam. So uh, it's always not only the conditioner; it's the physios and doctors. We had a spate of guys with sore Achilles. We noticed they were all rocking up to Moorabbin in thongs, and we just thought, you know what, boys, no more thongs. Get yourself a decent pair of you know sandals or Birkenstocks or whatever. Uh, I think the people from Crocs came on board and off, and gave well, you us, got a sponsorship out of it. We got it. We got a sponsorship out of it. Um, so uh, yeah, it was just it was, it was more or less what what's what's better for your feet and ankles and and um, calves than than wearing a pair of uh, pair of pluggers. So um, anyway. Yeah, that's so, that, that's what that was all about. So no Havianas. I mean, you know, these this is the Brighton set for a lot of these guys. Yeah, how, was know, that, how was that I received? Know. I know the fashion statement. It's <laughs> yeah. What's more important, your footy career or your fashion? Did, so, it, anyway. did it did it work? Uh, well, yeah. Like I said, we got the freebies from Crocs, so <laughs> that helped. That helped for a little while. But yeah, um, that's important. Yeah, you weren't. Yeah, small, you, you're looking for you're looking for small little things all the time. So you you weren't there for long. Why why was that? Was it just the year? Yeah, just the year. I, I was commuting back and forward uh, from family from family but um, my wife and the kids were in Brisbane so I was back and forth a bit yep. that wasn't going to be sustainable so yeah that was uh, that was the end of that unfortunately it was only a short time and um, that group of players went on to be um, a very very strong group so I remember the year I was there I think um, Lee Montagna had his first year Jason Graham had his first full year so there are a few of them in there that um, really got going in, in that period. So, yeah, it was fun times. Enjoyed it. And we're edging closer to more modern day. But what, what about the stint at the Brisbane Raw? You went and handed yourself over to the World Game. That was that was so refreshing, actually, to go and do that. So um, jumped in there. Frank Farina was coach. Again, we had a terrific team. Craig Moore was captain. Some, some great players. Danny Tiado, Matt Mackay, Massimo Madoka, Sasha Oganovsky. Um, we had Liam Reddy in goal. So we had a, we had a terrific team. Made, made two prelim finals. Didn't quite get to the big dance with both years, but um, we had a terrific team. That was that was a great eye-opener for me, actually, because we had a Brazilian in the team, Ronaldo, and we had Hoksu um, Siao from Korea in the team. So to have two two players in the team that didn't speak English, when you'd come from a footy background, that was that was quite different and refreshing and loved every minute of it. Yeah, I know how strong your Korean is as well, Stas. So, uh, <laughs> not, fi- not great. <laughs> physically, just quickly, physically, the difference between the two sets of, you know, playing groups in, in either code, how did you compare them? Yeah, not much. Um, and Matty Mackay was a great one to sort of to track because he was a midfielder. So, and I'm comparing him to Simon Black and Luke Power and Matty's running similar distance over 90 minutes and, and, and probably strength and weight-wise is probably 5 to 10 kilos lighter. So, you know, la- lacking probably the, 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 the soccer player is a little bit lighter but running just as hard. Mm. Uh, so, the, so the comparisons were, were really good. Craig Stasevich, thanks a lot for joining us today, mate. Playing, coaching, fitness, you've had a well-rounded journey in the game and obviously the consistency of the Brisbane Lions women is clearly testament to your guidance. So well done in everything you've done and what you're doing now, of course, and thanks for sharing it with us. Good on you. Thank you. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey. It's for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You can jump online, find them at tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.